Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, guys, you saw the title. You know what's coming. It's Busts Day here on Fantasy NBA Today, and you guys have probably figured out a lot of them over the last couple of weeks. I haven't been that covert about the guys that I'm definitely not drafting at their Yahoo pre-rank slots, but today we're going to put them all together into one delightful PowerPoint presentation because it seemed like that actually worked relatively well yesterday, and you know what? I can spend the extra seven minutes doing prep for a podcast. Welcome to the show. I am Dan Bespris. At Dan Bespris over on social media, I'm going to continue to beg all of you guys to find me over there right now because as we approach NBA opening night just 13 days away, that's where I'm going to be doing the vast majority of my communicating with you because starting on opening night, we will be back to one podcast Monday through Friday. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the NBA in the afternoons, the evenings, and the weekends. Again, that's D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S over on social media. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and the Brewski 150 is available in the all-sport fantasy pass tomorrow at just $7 a month. That gets you NBA, NFL, and MLB premium content at Sports Ethos. It is the best damn deal on the internet. Go check it out right away. Please like, rate, and subscribe as you make your way through today's podcast. Let's get going. Dan's biggest busts lists. I got five or six that I put in the traditional bust category, if you can call it that. Um, And before I say a name, I want to do a little bit of a preface. I tried to keep the guys off this board that are extremely punt-specific. So if you were expecting to see, like, LaMelo Ball or Trey Young or Giannis on this board, they will not be. Because while those guys probably don't hit their pre-rank on Yahoo or their ADP, like Giannis almost has no shot of getting to his pre-rank, which right now is what, like eight? I think he's eight on the latest Yahoo board. He's got no shot of getting to eight, but anybody that's drafting him is doing it because they're punting free throws. Similarly, for folks that are taking LaMelo Ball at nine or 10 or Trey Young at like 15, those teams are likely punting field goal percent, or turnovers and field goal percent. But I'm trying to keep turnovers mostly out of this mix as well. Trey Young was number 49 last year, but if you're punting turnovers and field goal percent, he rockets up the board. These are guys that I've referred to on this show as build guys. Trey Young was like number 15 if you were punting, if you were not caring about turnovers or field goal percent. So much, much better. That's where he's basically being drafted. LaMelo Ball was number nine last year, even in a down season, punting turnovers and field goal percent. So those guys are not going to be on this list because they are build players. They are specific to teams trying to create a roster based around some sort of strength or weakness. The players that you will hear about on this bus list are guys that I believe have almost no shot of getting to their ADP, basically regardless of your build, with some small caveats, like there might be guys where they're, you know, if you're punting like three things, they can get there. But that's a terrible strategy right from the outset. Don't punt three things, and then this will all make sense. 
First name on the list is someone you've heard me yell about. I yelled about him on Josh's show last week. I've yelled about him on this show for the last month and a half, and that is Devin Booker, who has a pre-rank of 14 right now. That is a painfully early number for a guy who was number 29 in nine category leagues on a per-game basis last year. I've tried not to incorporate uh, health risk all that much in this busts board as well. That's sort of a different thing. That's like a risk. Maybe we can do a show called the all-risk team because there's certain stuff that you weigh out with that. Booker did miss 29 games, but forgetting that for just a moment, yes, 28 points, five and a half assists, good percentages was nice, but actually a little bit worse than you'd expect from three at about two per ball game. Rebounds at four and a half were not very much. The assists, while decent, are not massive. Steals and blocks are relatively low. Turnovers are a little bit on the higher side. Everything was fine about Devin Booker, but really the only thing that he was hyper elite in last year was scoring. And for a guy who relies on scoring and both percentages to make his A, when you now include a finally healthy Kevin Durant coming into the year, and Bradley Beal, yes, there will be a usage drop-off. It might not be significant, but it will be non-zero. You saw it with the Warriors when Kevin Durant joined that club, and that was bringing in just one very high-usage guy. This team went from Chris Paul, who was the other, if you want to call it the usage guy in this mix, to Durant and Beal. (laughs) that's a lot. That is a big shift. And so, while I agree with the sentiment that he probably does now get a larger number of assists per game, his usage is coming down. It was at 31.5, I think, last year. Uh, Chris Paul's was at 19, guys. He was at 19. It's not like you replaced a high-usage guy with a high-usage guy. Kevin Durant last year, 29. That's just one of the two dudes that came in. And I know you're like, Kevin Durant, he played some games with him. No, he didn't. Played like eight. Bradley Beal, usage last year, also 29. I know. It's astounding. You just put two 29 usage guys with Devin Booker after he had basically played with a 19 last year. And then, like, DeAndre Ayton and Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges those guys weren't taking stuff away from him in the way that Beal and Durant will. I think all three of those guys take a little bit of a hit. Um, The other ones, at least, are being drafted as if there is a hit coming to their prior career numbers. Booker's the only one who's actually going earlier this season. 14 is crazy. If he went around where he finished last year at 29... I'd probably be pretty keen on Booker because I like the percentages and the floor is still very safe for a guy like that. But whatever bump in assists we think he's going to get, I don't think it's going to be that much. I think it's like one extra assist per game from five and a half to like six and a half. I don't think that's going to cover the drop off in the other things. And even if it did, that still only gets him back to around 30, not 14. And I know what you're thinking. Dan, that's only rounding about 15 slots. Those 15 slots are really hard to jump from 30 to 15, basically. That's a huge gap. It's not like jumping from 85 to 70. 
Jumps inside the top 30 require a big shift. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Next name on the list is Pascal Siakam. This is another one that you almost definitely could have guessed based on how I've talked about him all preseason long. Siakam was number 43 in nine-cat leagues last year, and he, like Booker, isn't a build guy. There's no one thing that he's horrific at where if you just sort of casually remove it from your equation, he goes through the roof in value. In fact, for Siakam, he was pretty good in scoring, pretty good in rebounding, actually quite good in assists for a power forward center at 5.8. His steals were fine. His blocks were meh. His field goal percent was kind of meh for a power forward. His free throw percent was kind of meh. His threes were meh. There was a lot of meh. And he played 37 and a half minutes per ball game last season. That was a Nick Nurse thing. I don't expect the Raptors' main guys to be playing 37 minutes a night. I don't think that their depth improved all that much, so there will certainly be plenty of games where they're forced to play their guys that many minutes. But for Siakam, again, this is another guy who's being drafted as though something good is about to happen. Is the good thing perhaps that Freddie Van Vliet is gone? Yeah, that's a possibility. Van Vliet had a usage of about 23 last year, and Dennis Schroeder coming in is probably going to be lower than that. So there's some stuff that you can just, again, kind of float off to the side. But Siakam is already at 27. It's hard for big guys to get too far beyond that unless they're the guy that everything is running through, like a Joel Embiid at 37. Even Nikola Jokic last year technically had a usage rate of only 28. Very surprising, isn't it? That's about the same as Anthony Davis. And those are basically the second wave of big man usages on the board behind Joel Embiid, who's out there just involved in almost every single play, scoring, passing, assisting, etc. And I know the usage is not the be-all, end-all of like, who gets this, who gets that, because... There are facilitators and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of nuance to this. But if we try to simplify it, there just isn't that much more that Siakam can do. If he does, that's good. He could go up from 43, and maybe he does go a little bit up from 43. But again, we just talked about how hard it is to jump 15 slots in the top 30. It's a little bit easier to jump 15 slots from the top 40 to 45 range, but it's not simple. 
And for Siakam to get from 43 to where he's being drafted at 28 is a big deal. He also was relatively healthy last year, which in my mind is like, "Uh uh-oh, is the other shoe about to drop? Perhaps it doesn't if they keep his minutes in check, but does that then mitigate any extra stuff he was getting to do anyway? So I don't think Siakam can get to this rank, that, that late 20s marker, and he's not really falling beyond that. In almost any draft I've done and in almost any format, that's where he's going, and that, to me, is too soon. Third on the board is a pretty good drop-off here, all the way down to Julius Randle. And I see folks that are in the YouTube chat room right now guessing on who the next name is going to be. And some of you guys got relatively close. Um, like Jordan Poole got thrown out in the chat room. I can't call him a bust because I do still think that there is an outside shot. He has a ridiculously massive year. He's, to me, probably on the all-risk team, not because of injury, but because of the possibility of a percentage thing. But also... He is kind of a build guy. You know you're getting into a really bad field goal percent scenario with Jordan Poole, where all the other stuff, you know, you flick one, toggle that on and off, and he's a guy that goes from, you know, 90, 100 range to, like, 30. It could be that size jump. So, again, I wanted to try to leave those build guys out. And Julius Randle, to me, is not a build guy. Because for Julius, he was good in points, threes, and boards last year, especially for a big man, uh, and relatively decent in assists. But really quite bad in defensive stats, dragged you down in both percentages, and turnovers were relatively high. So again, this is another guy where you'd have to turn off like three or four categories to get him where you need him to be. I have no problem at all with Julius Randle getting drafted around where he finished last year, which is in the 70s. I actually think that his role gets smaller this season as Jalen Brunson continues to kind of take the reins on that team do a little bit more, a little bit comes away from Randall. There are other guys that could potentially be involved. Julius is still going to obviously be a, a big key for them. And on the durability side, he's been excellent. So, like, he is a guy that could get there by totals, but that's rarely what we're gunning for in our with our fifth-round pick is a guy that's going to be behind that mark on a per-game basis and then well out in front of it by totals or in front of it by totals. If that's the way you're going, then Randall wouldn't make the bus list. That's fine. Um, and Siakam, if he's extremely healthy this year and he finishes in the 40s, he could beat 28 by totals also. I actually don't think there's almost any chance Booker beats both. We're looking at guys that I believe can get to or exceed their per-game marker where they're being drafted, and I just don't see a path for Randall to get there. Because for him... He's a guy where every little bit of usage, again, we're going to bring that back up a, a third time in a row with this stuff, it doesn't do enough on its own. He had a usage rate of 30 last year. There again, there just sort of isn't more for him to do. Do we magically think for Randall that the efficiency is going to change considerably this year versus seasons past? I, I simply can't imagine that it would. Because this past year was about as efficient as he's been in the last four or five years. The only season he was more, if you want to call it, and again, efficiency, we're talking about mostly just field goal and free throw percent, not not effective field goal percent, because that's not what's tracked in fantasy. He shot slightly better than his career mark from three this last year. He was right around his career mark in field goal percent this last year. He was slightly better than his career mark at the free throw line this past season. 
His rebounds were big. His minutes per game were the second highest of his career. His turnovers were down, mostly because his assists were down because Jalen Brunson's in town. But there just isn't much more for him to do. He's not going to go to 20 shots. And even if he did, his usage has to jump by big steps for his value to move incrementally because the percentages drag him down. Maybe you get lucky. And Randall has an 81% free throw shooting season like he did in 2020. But that very much came out of the blue. That was a one-time flash in the pan right now. If he does that, that's potentially how he gets to his marker. But I simply can't bank on that being the next thing that happens for Randall. And that's why he's the third name on this list. Name number four. And everybody in the chat room guessed this one is Paolo Boncaro. And the explanation on this is much simpler He's just not a category league guy. He was number 209 in nine category leagues last year. 20 points, seven boards, three and a half assists. That's all fine. None of those actually is all that stunning. Their points and rebounds are both kind of small positives. But he was a fantasy negative in threes. He was a fantasy negative in steals. He's a fantasy negative in blocks. He's a huge negative in field goal percent. He was a giant negative in free throw percent. And he was a medium-sized negative in turnovers. You can't be medium-sized good in two things, large-sized bad in three, and kind of somewhere between small bad and neutral in the others, and be a nine-category fantasy guy. You can be a points league guy because you don't have to be good in everything. You can just be like kind of good in a few things. And even then, I think he's probably overvalued. But 209 people. I don't know how many times I... like. This is a very simple and quick explanation here. Um... Even if he fixes one of his problems, it doesn't get him anywhere near this mark. Because you guys can play along. Go to any uh, rank board and just start toggling things on and off. Punting field goal percent jumps him up from 209 to the mid-100s, low to mid-100s. But we're still a pretty distant marker away from 63. If you punt all three of field goal percent, free throw percent, and turnovers... He gets into, I think the number was like 70s or 80s. So at that point, he gets relatively close. And then maybe there's some sort of gain in threes or scoring year over year. And that's how he would get there. But that is in points leagues. In category leagues, you have to be punting three things to get him anywhere near this marker. And that's just a, that's a recipe for disaster. Because punting all three of those categories in a category league creates one of the weirdest teams I've ever seen in my life. Because punting field goal and turnovers tends to be more guard heavy. Punting free throw tends to be more bigs heavy. What is this team? It's a team where Paolo does not, is the one team, I guess, where Paolo belongs. But everywhere else, in category leagues, he does not. I think that explanation we can keep relatively simple and move on to the next one. Sorry, guys. And this one's a little bit of a build guy, but Jalen Green is the next name on the board. He was a dude who did not even get inside the top 220 last year. If you include, and this is a funny thing, if usage is part of how you're ranking your players, he jumps a pretty great distance. So it wasn't about whether he had opportunity or not. It was about what he did with it. No, excuse me, he was number 202, so apologies. He is, unfortunately... Another guy, not exactly the same as Boncaro, but not all that far apart. I think in our minds, we assume that Jalen Green is just a guy who was chucking from the perimeter 
and was wearing it as a result. But in actuality, he didn't shoot the free throw very well either. He was, like Boncaro, a negative in steals, blocks, field goal percent, free throw percent, and turnovers. He was, unlike Boncaro, also a negative in rebounds, but a positive in threes in a way that Paolo was not. So each of those guys was good in two categories, kind of bad in three or four, and neutral in the others. And I get it. Like Boncaro, I expect Jalen Green to take a small step forward. I really do. I think these young guys improve. But I think we've priced them at a point where the improvement expectation is so massive that it still doesn't make sense. Let me try to clarify that just a tiny bit before we get to the sixth and final name, actually, on the big bust list. And then there's a little honorable mention section that I want to spend uh, maybe three minutes on as well. The uh, Jalen Green finished at 202. Paolo Moncaro finished at 209. If you expect certain improvements from them, you have to, in your mind, figure out where you think they're going to be. So, like, for Jalen Green, I would expect an improvement in free throw percent. Because he's clearly a dude that can shoot a little bit. And that type of stuff tends to come around a tad. Maybe field goal percent. Hard to say for sure. Team got better around him, so you hope that that would help. But it's hard to necessarily say. Let's just say improves in one or of the percentages. Maybe a little bit in both. But they also added a bunch of guys that are going to do stuff around him. So I don't expect the shots to go up. So I don't expect the points or threes or assists to go up. I don't expect the rebounds to go up. I think that's just sort of who he is, and that's fine because he's a shooting guard. So how far do you really think he can get with improvements in both percentages in some incremental fashion? You can go from 200 to, I don't know, get really liberal with your your gainers here and call it like 100 I just, I don't see how we've priced this appropriately. 74 is like he becomes extremely powerful in percentages. They don't go from negatives to just like small negatives. They go from negatives to maybe even a positive. And so we make life so hard on ourselves with these guys where you're like, I need an improvement. I need it. I want it. And then everybody starts clawing over everyone else to get to them. And it doesn't make any sense. And a lot of the reason these guys are higher, Paolo in particular, is because points leagues do get wrapped up into how Yahoo pre-ranks their guys. But for category leagues, he's a disaster in the making. So is Jalen Green. Don't let those guys get auto-drafted onto your nine-category team, or you're going to be figuring out what to do with them all season long. Final bust on the list. Oh, I forgot to make two different slides for this. So you guys get uh, the last bust and all the honorable mentions that roll in together. Franz Wagner. I think you guys would be surprised by that one, and I kind of like the fact that maybe I could surprise a few folks because I haven't really said anything about him this year. I just think he's going to repeat last year, which, looking back, that kind of makes me a little bit of a of a dickhead for calling him a possible bust because he wasn't a bust. He was number 107, which is fine. He was, like, fine across the board, didn't help you in blocks, uh, Didn't was a small negative in rebounds, but was, like, just slightly better than average in scoring and was average in threes and was average in assists and was average in steals and was average in field goal and was 
a small win in free throw percent, but he didn't take that many, and he was kind of average in turnovers. But Orlando has all these pieces that are going to be doing the same as or more than last year, and there just isn't really room for someone to be like, oh, Franz is going to get to do all this extra stuff. I do like the fact that he played in 80 games last season. If he can stay durable, I would have loved to take him around 100, actually, for head-to-head leagues in particular. Like, at 100, you can take a guy who's ranked near 100 and is really durable, and that's a guy you just plug in so you can take shots after that. On the Roto side, certainly less so, and where he's being drafted, significantly less so. 76 is too much. 76 is where you're drafting a guy that you're hoping is per game around 76. Not totals beats that. Per game beats that. 85, 95, 105, 115, you can start to look at guys that maybe have a little bit more totals appeal on the head-to-head side. Not a lot, but a little, because you got to make sure you got not taking zeros. But we're not at that point yet in the mid-70s, and there are frankly just other guys getting drafted at that juncture that I think do have the ability to crack through the ter- the top 75 per game. Jakob Pertl, Tyus Jones, Clint Capella, Jeremy Grant, Brooke Lopez, Chris Paul... All of these guys are going between 69 and 80 that have more per-game potential. I get it. Like Chris Paul, you're dealing with all sorts of weird stuff. Um, But most of those other guys have a, I don't want to say clear path to top 50, but like Grant's been top 50, Brooks been top 50, Clint's been top. So why would you take the guy who finished around 110 last year and sort of plot it along all season when you can flip the script a little and hope and take a guy that where you don't have to hope. And I feel a little bit bad about Franz. Of all the names that I just put on the list, Franz is the one I certainly feel the worst about because I like his game. I just don't think there's enough room for him in Orlando. Like, you put Franz on the team where he's the one or two option, oh yeah, 76 all the way. Like, because doing a little bit more and everything is generally kind of good for him. His field goal percent doesn't really hurt you. He's a guy with great fantasy upside, but not the right situation to see it right now. So that was a little bit harsh of me, I think. A little bit harsh of me. I like Franz. I just don't think he's going to get to this marker per game. A couple of headache honorable mentions uh, on the list. Uh, LeBron James at 29. uh, I think he takes a little bit of a step down in this one. Um, I don't think the Lakers want to play him nearly as much as he had to last year. He was number 23, so uh, taking him around 29 does give a little bit of leeway in that regard, but I think he actually does less per minute when he's on the floor, and I think his minutes are also far less. So do I think per game he can get to around 30? Yeah, that's fair, but when you're taking a giant injury risk play, a a guy who's going to be turning 39 in the middle of this season, you don't want to take him where you think he finishes per game. You want to take him well behind that, like uh, like a Jimmy Butler, for instance, who's an injury risk, but he's getting drafted in the mid-20s with a per-game upside in the top 10. That's what I would have been looking for for LeBron. So if we think he finishes around 25 per game, I'd want to take him 35-45, somewhere in that neck of the woods. I think he finishes back of 25 per game, maybe more like 30 to 35. So I'd rather take him around 45 and there's just no way he falls that far. Uh, Scotty Barnes at 44 is one where I just feel like we're, again, you're drafting a guy as if he's already taken the big step forward when we still need him to do so. 
Could he? Yes. But he hasn't done it yet. That's not a reason that it won't happen. That's just a reason where you've said, hey, I'm going to draft this guy because I think this is where he gets to this year. That's not what you want to do. You want to take a guy back of where you think he gets to. And so Scotty Barnes in the 60s made a ton of sense. Okay, please take a step or two forward. But he finished at 85 last year. He needs to fix his percentages in a big way. Probably start hitting some threes. If he doesn't fix the field goal percent, it has to be because of three-pointers. I like the scoring, the boards, the assists, the steals, the blocks. That's all good for him. Uh, but we haven't seen the leap forward yet, and he was already playing 35 minutes a game last year. Brandon Ingram is one you guys knew was going to be on my board. Uh, a lot of it with Ingram is the injury stuff. Like LeBron, I think you're drafting him where he gets to in a good scenario on the per-game side, but doesn't account for the injury risk. Personally, I think Ingram is in the 60s this year per game on top of the injury stuff, so I don't like this one on either side. And frankly, going back, maybe he should have been the bust instead of Franz Wagner. Ingram should have been on the bust list. I think this is going to be a rough year for Brandon. If Zion stays healthy, even rougher. Ingram was number 59 per game last year, and he was largely playing without Zion. They played together at the beginning of the year, and the... Yeah, they had a few, like they had a, uh, what was it, like month, month and a half at the beginning, and then they both missed a ton of time, and Ingram played a bunch when he was the only guy taking shots. That's what you need, because his steals went away. We knew that was a, a fluke. He still doesn't shoot the three ball, so you need the points, the boards, the assists, and for Ingram to get those, he's got to be hucking away out there. And that just happens less and less with every healthy available player on that Pelicans team. Josh Giddy at 62. I didn't put him on the bust list because he is a little bit more of a build kind of guy. Um, not specifically so, though. Giddy was number 112 last year. Um, he's your point guard who gives you a nice bump in rebounds and a pretty good number in assists, but not great. And again, he's in a situation where it doesn't seem like more is about to come his way. Because Shea did a lot of stuff. Giddy actually did a lot of stuff last year. They're working Chad into the mix. Jalen Williams is going to be doing more and more because he's shown himself to be very, very good. I just don't know that Giddy gets better year over year. And I'd like to say, oh, well, he could fix this one thing and the whole and the ship would just magically get righted. But it isn't. The thing for Giddy is going to be more stuff. And I don't think that that stuff is there. So I'd actually be kind of surprised if he got inside the top 85. Um, and again, here we are getting drafted at 62. That's a big reach. I put the Time Lord at 82. Um, I don't think this one lasts. I think if Yahoo does another board rearrangement, he probably gets bumped down the list. Robert Williams was 68 last year in about 24 minutes per game. He could maybe get back into that range, but his knees are mush. Celtics kind of ran him into the ground. I don't think the Blazers want to play him more than about 22, 23 minutes per game. Um, so this is more, this is not a bust. This is a headache, very specifically a headache, not a bust. And the last one on the list is Jonas Valanciunas. And before I tell you about him, I want to take a quick moment to remind everybody to please take a second to rate, like, subscribe, no matter where you're listening to or taking in this content. These are the fun ones, man. These are the ones as we're really running up to the season. We're doing this show with the start of the NBA campaign, just 13 days away. So please take a second, hit that thumbs up. Take a second to subscribe to the Sports Ethos YouTube page. Take a second to subscribe to Fantasy NBA Today. And before, again, I do that last name on the board, please take a second to find me on the socials at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. You can also just search Google for Dan from Sports Ethos Twitter. 
And that'll find me too if you don't want to have to try to spell my last name. Last name on the board, Jonas Valanciunas, who, for the life of me, I can't figure out what he's doing in this range. Because when that Pelicans team was healthy last year, Valanciunas didn't get to do anything. He was number 118, in fact, last year. And that was with Zion missing almost the entire season and Ingram missing half of the season. So that was with a half year of Valanchunas actually getting to do stuff and being like a top 60 guy during that time. When that club was healthy, JV was back of the top 150. I'm not sure that he clears the top 150 this year. I think they're going to run small for stretches. We've heard that Zion's going to play some center. We know Larry Nance, when he's upright, is more of their defense-first center. Valanchunas is the guy that, I mean, I don't even... He's probably going to start. I would assume he starts. He's a good rebounder, and he's a good scorer out of that spot. But in that team's healthy, they don't need scoring out of that spot. They need somebody to complement Ingram and McCollum and Zion and someone to just sort of glue it all together. And that's probably not going to be JV because they don't want to get completely exposed on the defensive side the way that having him in there full-time would do. Okay, those are your busts. For this 2023 NBA campaign, that was a fun one. I hope you guys enjoyed it. A uh, quick reminder here at the end of the show to check out our buddies at Manscaped.com. Promo code over there is Ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Check out the handyman. Oh, I'm so upset I didn't. It's just like 10 feet over that way. I could have grabbed it and put it on the screen. Bad promo work, Dan. You suck at this, Bespris. Anyway, the handyman's sweet. I used it on my neck on Saturday night. And look, you can still, like, here, let me go to a, a tighter view on YouTube. You're just starting to see the stubble's coming back. And it's uh, Wednesday, I guess. Right? Isn't it Wednesday? I think it's Wednesday. Um, so that's the handyman over at manscaped.com. Check that out. Go get yourself a lawnmower. And there's big news coming at Manscaped five days from now. Make sure, again, if you check that out and use our code ETHOS20 to get your 20% off and free shipping, I want to make sure that we get credit for sending you there because then they'll be like, oh, awesome, Fantasy NBA Today is such a wonderful show to partner with, and that's good for yours truly. Um, also, go to sportsethos.com. Brewski150 goes into the all-sport fantasy pass tomorrow, but the price goes up tomorrow as well, so sign up today at sportsethos.com, or by following them on Twitter, at ethosfantasybk. You can see the links over there. Get yourself an all-sport fantasy pass for just $7 a month. All three major sports, rank lists, projections, in-season content, premium Discord, all that good stuff. It'll be well worth your while. And uh, that's the end of the line. No questions on today's show. Sorry about that, because there are actually a couple of fun ones in the chat room. Make sure to pop those into our next program, which I'm going to try to do a mock later today. Um, so you can throw some questions in there. We'll do a little Q&A at the end of the mock draft. This one is busts for 2023 in the books. I am Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on the socials, and I will see you guys over there. So long for now. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.